0: Opposite conversations. By Marvin Gaye. Oh, yes, very relevant as we get into the Thursday edition of the Closet Conversation. Everything you need to know about vaginal lubricants. And Dr. Miriam Khan is going to be joining us. Closet Conversations. This part of the program is not suitable for sensitive listeners and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station. Or the presenter. Tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. Closet Conversations. Oh, we are within. Let me welcome Dr. Miriam Khan. Uh, It's always a pleasure being with you, Dr. Miriam Khan. So, Dr. Miriam Khan is a registered natural medicine doctor with a master's degree focusing on sexual and reproductive health and rights and its intersections with gender and religious um, issues. Dr. Khan, good evening.
1: Good evening, Patricia. How are you
0: doing? I'm
1: strong. How are you? Not too bad. A little better from the last time.
0: Oh, I'm so glad you're getting much better. And I'm excited that we're talking about uh, something that's focusing on the ladies, vaginal lubricants. So, as some would say using a lubricant is just for those who are lazy sexually. Uh, why wouldn't you produce your own natural fluids uh, for mm. the sexual act? Is, is this true? Is it due to laziness or is it some phenomenon that other women are not able to produce just enough um, you know, natural lubricants?
1: So we're going to do away with the idea that it's due to laziness, right? So there are several reasons that a woman's body or the, the, the vaginal tissue will not be producing its own lubricant. And that can range from uh, your, your life stage or you know, phase. So it could be, for example, your breastfeeding. It could be before or after menstrual bleeding. It could be um, postmenopausal or menopausal women. But it could also be psychosocial issues. It could be so many different things. So you know, for example, you could really be aroused, and your body is just not producing the fluid, and and that's fine too. So it has nothing to do with laziness. And a lot of the fact, a lot of what goes on in our body, as much as we like to think we have control of it, but we don't really have. We don't always have complete control over how how our body processes. You know internal and external stimuli so for example the unrest that our country has gone through the way it impacted so many people many women might might suffer with vaginal dryness as a result you know because stress of course affects your mental health and your mental health affects your sexual health so yes we're going to do away with laziness
0: so the body it produces lubrication um, Absolutely, but under certain conditions. Desire. Under certain conditions, obviously, your your mental health plays a, a huge role when it comes to production of uh, lubrication. And I, I'm surprised, Doc, you said even if you are highly aroused, your body might just not uh, produce enough of vaginal lubrication, uh, despite the fact that you're aroused, just because uh, some mental issues might be um, affecting you, stress and the likes.
1: Or it could be a side effect of medication. It could be anything, you know. So we have spoken some time ago about. We briefly mentioned arousal non-concordance, and that would be, you know, when, when the mind and the body uh, is not in sync. So, you know, you want is to be intimate. You desire sexual intercourse or sexual activity, but the body's not producing the the lubrication and the fluid to indicate that you uh, are so called turn on. So, yeah, yeah, that occurs. And it can be as a result of any external stimulus. It could be a result of stress. And it could also result from, for example, um, the the vaginal dryness could result from, for example, side effects of medication.
0: Now, you know, Doc, we are talking... uh extremes here there's one uh, lady who might not be able to produce enough uh, vaginal fluids and then on the other hand there are other ladies who just produce a lot of vaginal fluids is the is is this also a common thing or is it caused by some sort of glands in the body so i'm not sure how common it is but it is not um
1: you know i mean it, it is it is it does occur so I, I can't say for sure because I have not said enough studies to say how common that is, but it does occur. It would be more common with younger women because of, you know, all the way the, way the body functions and the hormones. And, and obviously it would be more common with women who have no or very little hormonal imbalances, as well as women who have lesser inhibitions and less stress. So you would find that it would be more common there.
0: Now a woman who produces a lot of vaginal fluids um, when they are aroused w- would they also need to consider going into uh, using lubrication
1: not necessarily because you also don't want things to be over slippery um, and over slick and over moist so they will you know it be context dependent so they would uh, you know, from they would gauge from the situation whether they actually need. You know, the use of uh, lubricants is not just, as we've mentioned, not just when there's a medical indication, but also to enhance pleasure, to make, make things slipperier, slicker, smoother, you know, make facilitate and enhance pleasure. So they will have to gauge how much is a lot and then do they need it.
0: Okay, a is that's what we're talking about. Um, perhaps you'd like to try a lubricant and you're a bit shy, you know, you don't know how to tell your partner that, hey, partner, whether you're a girl, you're a guy, homosexual or heterosexual relationship, I want to try a lubrication and you don't know how to get around it. You don't know what to say to your partner. This is the time to ask your questions, to get some tips from Dr. Khan on how to introduce lubrication. Or you might have used lubrication and just didn't have a good experience. Perhaps you are not using the right type of lubrication. We're going to go through the various loops that are available and how you can select one that will suit you, your body, and uh, your partner and your pleasure. The number to dial in to interact with us is 11 or you can WhatsApp 614 You can also SMS on 41391. So, Doc... We were at some point as people assuming that lubrication is for old goggles, you know, for the grannies who are suffering menopause and dry vaginas. But it's very clear from your intro that lubrication is is for pleasure. So let's go through some of the pleasure. I mean, I'm sure solo play, partner play, toy play. Toy play. Yeah, yeah. What's a base
1: play? Um, So, you know, shower sex. Uh, it really depends, you know, masturbation for for men specifically, because we'll talk about whether you know you know the, the practicality of using what forms of lubricant in terms of internal masturbation. So obviously, you know, water based, but oil based or silicone based. But yeah, for whether it's solo play, whether it's with your partner, whether it's using toys, whether it is in the context of shower sex or in the pool or I don't know. It's, skinny dipping in the ocean and you're feeling a little frisky. Um, so whether it's, you know, it, it's used to enhance pleasure in all of those contexts. And definitely if you're using condoms.
0: Okay. So when it comes to utilizing uh, um, lubrication, you were mentioning even for um, masturbation purposes. So would a man utilize a different uh, lube for when he's masturbating than when a woman is masturbating solo play?
1: Well, in that regard, we'd consider you know we're taking into account lubrication or lubricants that may increase the risk of of yeast infections or vaginal infections. So we'd be more careful then in terms of the use of maybe certain oils or certain uh, particular lubricants that may cause an increase in the risk for uh, for yeast infections we'd be more careful. So, for example, petroleum jelly, may be used by men more freely than by women internally. So men can use it externally and it might not or it would not cause any problems as opposed to if women use it internally because it will tend to stick to the vaginal wall and it lasts longer in there and as a result will affect your pH and it will throw off the pH and it may result in bacterial vaginosis, it may result in candida, so different infections.
0: So there are different types for different folk. Here's a message here on uh, WhatsApp. This 8 humor says, Hi P and Doc, my wife produces less natural fluids. I have a lot, so she depends on me. She never complains about pain. Is she afraid to tell me?
1: She could be afraid to tell you. and It's perfect timing for you to introduce it. And you know, we speak about communication all the time and the key to all relationships and to meaningful relationships is communication. So if you suspect your partner may be afraid or maybe ashamed, because a lot of people feel inadequate. Women feel inadequate if they're not producing enough lubricant. Um and they're worried about being teased, you know, about their age and heading toward middle age or old age. So there's a lot of guilt and shame around those ideas, so it's perfect timing for you to introduce it as play, and to decentralize the idea, you know, move it away from uh, your inadequate, uh, and move it more towards you know, changing the narrative towards enhancing pleasure.
0: Now, now, doc, you know, you were saying that when you're having um, intercourse with your partner, it doesn't need to be over slippery or over moist, okay. So, so other women might feel uncomfortable by the fact that this particular lubricant is going to be smeared all over them, and they might tend to become too slippery when they start producing their own fluids. Because there are women who 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 are afraid of too wet a vagina. Because you're reminding
1: me of a song I shouldn't <laughs> be thinking of. Ah, what's the song? Tell me, tell me. Uh, no, I don't know the song. I don't know the song name. What did the lyrics go?
0: How did the lyrics go? I think you know very well, Patricia. <laughs> don't baiting me. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't know. But, you know, in some cultures, other women are told your vagina should be dry. It should not be um, moist. So they might be scared. And, you know, the over-slippery, over-moist vagina. Uh, are they lubricants that will just become natural? You know, it will feel natural so that your partner doesn't ask in case you, you know, you did it on the side. You, you don't want your partner to know that you are using lube. Um, I, I
1: don't know how you're not going to let your partner know that you're going to use that you're using lube other people are traditional
0: other guys don't want to know you know you want to quickly go to the bathroom and just like smear it on and run back into the bedroom I don't know
1: (laughs) Mm. Um, you know and then I mean you'd have to take into account so many things in that context for example um, you know would that happen before or after foreplay because generally with a bit of foreplay you'd be producing your own fluid um, and if you feel that you're not, I mean, you know, it's a break in the, in the moment to run after the bathroom, to introduce, you know, to, to, for you to be able to use and to insert uh, a bit of lubricant. And it might seem unnatural. The best thing to do is to introduce it gently and comfortably and talk about it. But, you know, we've, we've spoken about when the right time is to speak about, Uh, sensitive issues in your your relationship and it shouldn't be in that particular context so it doesn't put, you know, the other person off or, you know, change the mood and change the atmosphere. So speak about it when you're having breakfast or when you're in the car, going on a drive, talk about it or find a way to accidentally come across it on your Instagram feed or something and, and, you know, you raise the topic and you're like, oh, hey, you know, did you see this? And then you start talking about this. Or have you heard this song? What do you think about this? (laughs) You know? So that kind of thing. So you want to raise it in a time where it's not going to affect the mood in particular. And when both people are receptive to the conversation. So it's so important that we have this open line of communication in relationships. It's absolutely important for meaningful, healthy relationships.
0: Now, what are some of the things that we need to consider when choosing lubrication? I mean, like you mentioned, it's either for the pleasure or solo play or, um, you know, others will even consider it for anal sex. So how do we go about choosing the right type of uh, lubricant for our body and pH balances?
1: Fantastic question. So there are two particular things we need to consider, the pH and the osmolality. But before we get to that, I want to talk about the different kinds of lube, just so we have an understanding. So you you didn't mention we have the water-based lube, then we have the oil-based lube, and we have silicone-based lube. So the water-based lube is a good starter lube, right, and can be used for most of your sexual, your sexual needs. It's also safe with condoms, and it's also... You know, it's, it's a safer lubricant for people who have sensitive skin, and the practical thing about it is that it does stain sheets. However, here's something that's very important to note. A South African study has showed that top-selling water-based lubricants in South Africa tend to be hyperosmolar, so the osmolar concentration is hyperosmolar. And this may have the potential to increase HIV acquisition and transmission in men who have sex with men. So the hyperosmolarity of the you know the the product itself, the fact that it's hyperosmolar, has the potential to disrupt the buccal surface, and as a result, it. Has you know, it increases the potential to for the increased uh, uh, HIV acquisition and transmission. So that is something that we should take into consideration. And I think that it's important, particularly uh, we're talking here in the context of men who have sex with men. So that is the water based. And in terms of practicality of laundry and sheets, and how expensive your sheets are, water based lubricant doesn't stain the sheets, right?
2: Okay. They'll be looking
1: at oil-based lubricants, and these are ideal for masturbation uh, and you know, external and even for water play. So oil-based lubricants, they are messy. They will definitely stain the sheets and should not be used with condoms because they tend to damage the latex. So if, you look, if you're using latex condom, the oil-based lubricant can cause the, the latex to break or to dissolve. And if, you know, so that will obviously put you at risk for two particular things. One would be HIV and STI transmission, and the other would be unwanted pregnancies. So that is something you should take into consideration. Then you have the silicone-based lubricant, and these are, you know, the silicone is slicker, it requires less reapplication. They're perfect for those marathon sessions. So they're also good for the, uh, for shower or water play, and it doesn't wash away easily. And that's the reason, you know, you can. It's perfect for these contexts. You also will not use it for, with silicone-based toys because they tend to stick and they damage the toys. They make the toys yummy and gummy. Yeah, so they damage the toys.
0: Are there any side effects to utilising lubricants, uh, especially internally?
1: Right. So what you want to do is you want to do a patch test. So if you're purchasing a lubricant, you want to use use a little bit on the inside of your arm and you want to see that you have no reaction to it. Uh, Some of the things that you should consider is, you know, uh, a non-flavoured, non-scented lubricant because these may increase the possibility of uh, irritation. And uh, in terms of certain, like we said, petroleum jelly has the, the potential to increase infections. So you'll be careful for those, If you, especially if you're prone to yeast infections. It's the antibacterial, antifungal properties of uh, even, for example, coconut oil, because a lot of people are using whatever they have at home or something that's more practical or cheaper, and coconut oil is used uh, often by many people. And... You know, it has the potential to disrupt your pH level. So, if you're prone to yeast infections, you'll avoid coconut oil. They can also break down the latex condoms. Mm. The other thing about coconut oil is that it has it's it's a it's a carbonic, uh, product or oil, and so for that reason, its you know, it deep is that it it, it uh, causes the pores to be clogged. It has a higher potential to clog your pores. So. It's not recommended for topical use in sensitive areas, and if you're not going to use it in the particular externally, you also don't want to use it internally.
0: Doc, there's a lot of people who will reach for the Vaseline container in their cupboard uh, in the bedroom and yep, that's use what that we just to spoke for, um, you know, anal sex and vaginal sex, or glycerine or baby oil. Aren't these dangerous? So, you know, exactly what we said right now,
1: Vaseline, petroleum jelly, increases the risk of bacterial vaginosis, so you don't want to use this, you want to avoid using it. Um, You know, you really want to use something that has, so we're going to talk about now the pH and osmolality. So you're looking for two particular things. Uh, You want to use, uh, depending now whether it is vaginal sex or anal sex, right? So... For anal sex, we're looking at a pH of around 7. And for vaginal sex, we're looking at a pH of just under 4.5 because the vaginal pH is around 3.8 to 4.5. It's slightly acidic. So especially if you are prone to uh, yeast infections, you'll look for these uh, pH in a product, right? And this is obviously to reduce the risk of Uh, bacterial vaginosis, yeast infections, and any other irritation. And we've obviously been talking about, in terms of overall, all products, you're also going to look that it's not going to affect or break down a condom because then that's going to be risky, and that will be risky for both your uh, unwanted pregnancies as well as HIV or STI transmission. Now, we've spoken about pH. And the other thing we want to speak about is the osmolality. And this is obviously the concentration of dissolved particles in the product. So it is important to avoid, uh, you know, uh, exacerbating dryness. And the World Health Organization recommends as osmolality of less than 1,200 milliosmos per kilo. So, um, you know, so this is what we're looking at. And the ingredient that increases osmolality is glycerin. So you want to look at the osmolality and the pH in the product. And it doesn't mean that, for example, um, you know, a product may be okay on the osmolality and not necessarily okay on the pH and still be fine for you. So it's really a trial and error thing. One item might be might work for you, but might not work for your best friend. Uh, so it's really, you know, you're going to start off with something light and mild and then go from there to see based on irritation. The best thing to do, like we would do with all products, whether it's a facial product or a body lotion, do, we, we would do a, pe- a patch test. So on the inside of your arm, a little bit, and then you'll wait to see at least 24 hours to see if there's any reaction. And if you don't have a negative reaction, you should be good to go.
0: Now, I know you spoke about this, but for the benefit of this ATMOS, just send us a WhatsApp who says, is the silicone lube safe for latex condoms?
1: So, you know, we, yes, you can use it. You know, we're looking at, um, the, the, the main thing is the oil base because they break, they break um, the condom. So as far as I have, you know, as far as my knowledge is, is concerned, you can use the silicone-based lube. Um, for condoms, but you will not use them for your
0: silicone-based toys. Okay, so for condoms, yes, but not for silicone-based toys. This one says: um, Where do vaginal fluids of a woman's of a woman originate from? Do women ha- who have had a hysterectomy and their ovaries removed produce vaginal fluid, or are they still even sexually active? Ooh, there goes my line, Dr. Khan. We're going to try and get hold of you again. Uh, Remember, we are talking about vaginal lubricants um, for sexual pleasure, and uh, there are many different reasons why we end up needing these lubricants. It's either, you know, you're a bit stressed and your body's not producing enough lubes, but at most times it's for pleasure. It could be for self-pleasure while masturbating, for making anal sex more penetrable, or um, on the other end, just for you and your partner to have a good time. Call in, interact with us on 11 Tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley Alright, it seems uh, the team managed to get the Gremlins out of the studio and we've got uh, Dr. Khan back on the line. Dr. Khan, can you hear us?
1: I can hear you well.
0: Excellent. So this question was asking, where do vaginal fluids of a woman originate from? And do women who have had a hysterectomy and their ovaries removed produce vaginal fluid? Or are they still even sexually active?
1: Wow. Okay. So let's start with where they originate from. They originate from the glands inside your vagina and cervix. And yes, women who have had a hysterectomy can absolutely... Produce vaginal fluid, and they can be sexually active. Remember that the hysterectomy would be, depending on whether it's a partial or it's a complete hysterectomy, you still have a vagina. The sex is within the vagina. It doesn't reach, you know, it's beyond. It doesn't go beyond your cervix, so it shouldn't affect the fact that you can, uh, you know. So women have actually some women have had better sex after hysterectomy.
0: Interesting, interesting, interesting. Uh, But if a woman is finding that uh, she has uh, had uh, this procedure and uh, she's producing less fluids, can she seek medical help?
1: Absolutely. So she can speak to whomever she has had her procedure with and then they will be able to gauge the reason behind a decreased production of fluid or no production of fluid.
0: So, Doc, I I had asked, um, how does one go shopping for uh, the right lubricant for them? What is it that we should consider?
1: So we will consider all of those things that we spoke about, right? We will consider uh, what exactly are we using the lube for. Then we will consider which context we're using it in. We'll look at whether it matters to us that, you know, the lube stains sheets or doesn't stain sheets. We'll consider whether it, you know, so the important things to consider is what. So do you use a condom? If it's a latex condom, most condoms will be latex condoms. Then you know you're not going to use an oil-based uh, lubricant. We're looking at, for example, um, do you have a, you know, are you prone to yeast infections? Then again, you'll avoid the oil, the petroleum jelly and or the oil-based lubricants. Uh, even some some water-based lubricants, uh, we won't mention the names on air, but if Listeners do want to contact me. I am happy to share those with them. So we don't want to look as if we're not promoting or we are only promoting certain products. So there are products that will increase the risk of thrush or yeast infections, and you'll avoid that if you are prone to yeast infections. These are the main things you'll be looking at: the pH and the osmolality. You want to maintain. You want to have something that has a pH closer to the vaginal pH. You're looking at something that has a pH less than Uh, 4.5. That is if it's vaginal intercourse. If it's rectal intercourse, then the the pH should be around 7, more or less 7.
0: Let's go to Anonymous on the line. A.T. Ma Anonymous, good evening. Hello. Good evening, Anonymous. Hi. Mpem, How are you? Great, thank you.
2: Thank you, Listen, quickly, you said ask Doc there? There's something that I've been wanting to ask for a long, long time that I do not understand. That do ladies really enjoy the annual presentation?
0: All right, Doc. I don't know. Doc will answer anonymous. Ah, uh, <laughs> Doc. Wow. Well, um. You know, I
1: think that it depends on the person.
2: It's on the person.
1: Yes, I think that it depends on the person and the context. So, you know, it might be a no go area for some people and you know, that may uh, that may stem but, from joke. Uh, yes. I'm sorry ahead. to
2: um I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, no, no. in ter- in terms of feeling good as much as you feel you know that fire if you are if you are doing the vaginal uh, penetration is it the same.
1: I couldn't give you a personal answer, so I think that depending on you know who the person is, certain studies show uh, that gonna, uh, women uh, do enjoy it. Certain studies show that they don't. A lot of the enjoyment factor will be similar to uh, you know uh, in terms of vaginal sex. For example, some of them will be, certain factors will be similar. For example, you know, in general, women who come with certain cultural and religious ideas of sex that involve shame and guilt will have difficulty enjoying even vaginal sex, right? So, similarly, women who have those ideas, cultural and religious influence regarding anal sex, will have difficulty enjoying anal sex. So, those factors play... In terms of yeah, sensation but- and the action, that would depend on the person. It would also depend on the ease of motion. So if it's well lubricated, and we know that in the anal area, the, it doesn't self-lubricate, not like the vagina. So you will need a lot of lubrication. If there's not enough lubrication, then it definitely will be painful. And if there's pain, then there won't be pleasure, or there wouldn't be pleasure. So if I think the area is well lubricated and the woman is yes. relaxed and she is open to anal intercourse and anal intercourse excites her or the idea of it excites her, then she would yes. enjoy it
2: and, and that, if it's not forced on uh, her. Okay, right, I understand that, but uh, right, please c- clarify this point for me, to me. Uh, as far as we know, that uh, anal, anal, you know, an anal, it's a, it's a root of the waste. So what happens there, doc? What happens? How? When you
0: get in, you penetrate, you come out. What happens there? All right, anonymous doc. I, I don't know if you understand what he means. What happens there? Um, because I'm quite lost. I
1: I I'm, I'm wondering because he said something about it's the root of elim- or the place of elimination I mean, of waste.
0: waste. So I think I'm just also He's trying to think whether it's messy. Yeah, maybe
1: it wouldn't necessarily be messy because of the anal sphincter, So you know the separation. So it wouldn't necessarily be messy. Uh, it could be messy, and that would depend on, you know. Um, whether the person had had a recent bowel movement, whether the area is has been cleaned. So it would depend. It could be messy, but it's not necessarily messy.
0: Okay, um, more questions here. Uh, this one is from Donald. Donald says, uh, uh, for a woman to lubricate, uh, isn't a man's responsibility during romance? He's Whoa. asked the question. And says, some of the ladies lubricate too much, it will sound like you are swimming in a pool. <gasps>
1: oh, Dr. Khan. For a woman to lubricate isn't a man's responsibility. Mm, and then it sounds like you're
0: swimming in a pool. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Donald is slapping sounds are fantastic, eh? As long as you're having fun, slapping sounds are fantastic. You know, it means that your game is good. So... Um, you know, I, I don't know about that. And in terms of man's responsibility, or you know, if you are two or three or four people involved in some kind of sexual activity, each one has certain amount of responsibility. And hopefully, we are conducting ourselves, you know, mindfully and ethically. So and we present in the moment, and we prioritize the other person's pleasure as much as we prioritize our own pleasure. So you know, it becomes. You know, I think that if we want it to be a meaningful engagement, then we also want to make sure that our, uh, that our partner is having as much fun and pleasure as we are having. And so we will look to, you know, look at the factors that affect their pleasure or their desire and see how to overcome those hurdles. So I think it would be much, at some level our responsibility, at some level.
0: No, I had to laugh. The swimming pool sound was just... (laughs) I just imagined it, and... Yeah, okay, I'm not going to dwell much on that. So Anonymous in Cape Town says... um, I'm a guy and my girlfriend produces uh, different lubricants on different days. Sometimes it's a lot, more than enough that we have to pause and wipe away. In these kinds of instances, it's white creamy stuff, and uh, during other times it's a normal oily like lubricant. The latter is the one I enjoy more. So my question is, is there are these changes normal and what does each mean?
1: Absolutely normal in terms of, you know, in terms of content, um, depending also on where you are, where a woman is in her menstrual, in her in her cycle, in her menstrual cycle, so her natural discharge itself would be different. The consistency would be different, the colour would be different, and it's all normal until there is any irritation, burning, uh, colour change if it's grey or green, so any signs of an infection. You know, in between, it would be normal. So clear, um, slightly, uh, or yeah, clear or even mildly yellow, uh, depending on or creamy. It's all normal.
0: I've uh read about uh, cannabis lube um, for sex. How do these work? Are they are, are they going to get the vagina high? Are they going to get <laughs> the penis high? What what do they do? You know, I think
1: that it depends. So in terms of, I've also read about them, and I haven't read enough about them. It's looking at, uh, you know, um, alternating. If you're looking at oil-based loops so moving away from your coconut oils, which are a mixture of long-chain, you know, LCTs and, and MCTs. So you're looking at moving towards MCTs, and they are more... Um, They are more distilled versions of oils, so they they generally uh, more natural. Hopefully, depending on whether it's hypoallergenic, uh, non scented, organic, and I don't think it's to do with uh, making the vagina high, though there might be other. Benefits of
0: the CBD. Listen, I would like to get my hands on uh, the cannabis uh, lubricant and then, you know, test it. And then I'll let a teamers know. Maybe the vagina will start singing a song of its own, or maybe it will make that swimming pool noise that Donald was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Khan, thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, Please stay strong, keep warm, and keep safe. Um, You too. And also, give us your contact details, please. 079-380-8449. 79
1: I'm afraid of the text messages that are going to come through. <laughs> um, and on
0: Instagram, it's at Dr. Mariam B. Khan. Excellent. Thank you very much. Until next time, have a good evening. Take care. Hey, teamers, it marks the end of this week for us as the Late Night Conversations. Um, We'll be back again next week, Monday from 10 p.m., God willing, uh, for us to have another exciting week. As a matter of fact, we come in in to the new month because next week, Monday, is the 2nd of uh, August. Wow, how the time has flown by. Okay. If you want to interact, let's do so between now and next week Monday via social media platforms at Patricia N. Nduli or at SAFM Radio. Please use the hashtag SAFMLNC. From the team and I, may goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success.